Ariza blocked by Bogut. Good recovery by Andrew Bogut. Let's get Rogue. Welcome to Rogue Bows, a basketball series, and what will be our last episode for a while, pro. A tear in your eye, I'm sure, but uh, NBA Finals over. We'll get into that shortly. What's news from your side of the world? A bunch of Father's Day's gifts were given out today, and I can't wait to talk about them, Bogues. And I didn't get any of them. So What do you got? Well, we'll talk about it on the show. You got nothing? Not me. No, no. <laughs> I didn't get divorced today, so that's that's my uh, Father's Day gift. That's a win. Yeah. Playing with house money. No doubt for me, for her. Your Father's Day is different to ours. In Australia, Father's Day is in, I think it's September. So it's always funny because I get Happy Father's Day messages from my American friends, and I'm like... Yeah, we celebrated a different day here. It's Folks, it's 8,000 days. I don't know why. It's, I, think, I can't keep up. Yeah, but I think Mother's Day is the same. I think our Mother's Day is the same, but our, our Father's Day for some reason is different, I believe. But God bless you. Who knows? Just another day to me. Um, but I'll, I'll take it. I'll take the well wishes from my American friends. All right, let's get into the finals and, and how you thought that went. Um, the Denver Nuggets are your NBA champs, 4-1. Um, pretty decisive by the Denver Nuggets, obviously. Jokic, clear MVP, historic numbers. Um, we'll get into his numbers a little bit later in the stats segment, but uh, finished the series with 30 points, 14 rebounds, and seven assists a night, which is just horrendous. I mean, horrendously good numbers. Um, 58% from the field, 42% from three, 83% from the line. He threw in a block, 1.4 blocks, and, and just under a steal. Jamal Murray, the next best for the Nuggets. Probably didn't need, need to do as much later on in the series, um, but early on he was cooking. Uh, 21, 10 assists, six rebounds. So basically, you know, just under a triple double there. Aaron Gordon came up big for him in numerous games. They they started games uh, often in this series with posting him up, especially when Miami started that four, you know, not started, but they they played that four-guard lineup a lot and they just punished whoever was guarding Gordon. The two small, he finished with 14 and seven for the series with, with three assists. Um, actually shot it, didn't shoot a lot of threes, pro, but shot 55% from three for the series, um, only on, on 1.8 attempts. But that's what you need to do. If you knock one down, you know, and it looks good, they're going to obviously respect you a bit more. And Bruce Brown comes in at their fourth best at 11.4. Points, four rebounds, and an assist. Just an energy guy for them. Uh, Michael Porter Jr., horrific shooting clips pro. Uh, he was – he averaged nine and – nine, seven and uh, – sorry, nine, eight, and just under one assist, which is his, his usual numbers. But his clips were all-time bad. He was he was 32% from the field. He was 14% from the three and 75 from the line. KCP was solid for him uh, as per usual, mainly on the defensive end. And, and Christian Braun came in and earned some some big minutes as a uh, as a rookie. So that was a Nuggets pro. Uh, on the other end, we had the Miami Heat. Bam out of bio led them in scoring. You would not have thought that coming into the series, uh, especially with the likes of Jimmy on his on his on his as his teammate. But Bam, I think a lot of growth from him this season in the playoffs. I thought he got better and better with each round. Uh, 21.8 points, 12.4 rebounds, 3.2 assists, 45% from the field, 90 from the line, shot it really well from the line. Jimmy Butler, not not a great series by him, still finished with 21, 21 points, just under five rebounds, 6.4 assists on reasonable clips, 41% from the field, 37% from three. Uh, Gabe Vincent and Lowry, very similar numbers, averaging 11 and 10.8 respectively. Duncan Robinson, 
Caleb Martin probably fell off a lot in this final series pro and he's probably the guy they needed a bit more from. Uh, shot at 37% and 33% from the field and three respectively with 7.4 points for the series. But he was a big, big reason why they got there in the previous rounds and he just couldn't couldn't sustain it. But uh, what were your thoughts on on the finish and um, were, you, were you satisfied with the result? I, I think the better team won, Bogues. Obviously, I, I just think that Denver – it, look, it was a great series. It was 4-1, but I mean, most of the games were close. Um, they came down to a few possessions here and there. And look, both teams competed. Um, they went at each other. It was just great to see. The coaching was high level. The play was in, in some ways high level, you know, definitely on the Denver side. And then Miami, you know, just had its ups and downs. I just thought Miami got tired, you know, in the finals. A lot of the role players that were really coming up big, um, just couldn't sustain it, and it's look. It's not a, it's not a cheap shot. It's just sort of just watching what your eyes, you know, tell your eyes what their your eyes are telling you, right? Caleb Martin, you know, he did well, but not well enough. Max Struess had a tough series. A Butler's up and down, but you know, he he still kept them together, getting to the free throw line. Bam Adebayo played really well throughout, you know, and then Denver. I mean, what can you say? You know, you know, Jokic just destroyed it. You know, the whole series. Uh, they got good play, like you said. I mean, great play out of Jamal Murray, good play out of their role players. Uh, Michael Porter Jr., you know, had a decent game five, but just didn't really have a good finals, didn't shoot it well. I think his lack of basketball IQ really showed. But I think that when he stopped trying to be uh, a playmaker and just played, you know, played off of Jokic the way he should. I and mean, that's what you need to do when you play with Jokic. You just got to spread the floor, either be a catch-and-shoot guy, straight-line driver. When he's out of the game, then you could probably change what you're doing, your little bit of approach. Then you can be a little bit more aggressive offensively. But when you're in a game against a genius passer, you know, you just got to be in the right spot. If you watch any unbelievable passing big play, if you watch Sabonis play, Divac play, you know, you watch bigs like that play, they can just find you. Bill Walton, like, you just got to you just gotta cut and be at the right spot and he'll find you. And that's what playing off of him is all about. But it was, hey, look, it was very entertaining. If you're a basketball guy, if you're in a, into entertainment, I don't think it was the best series for you. If you're into Tom Fuckery, I don't think it was the best series for you. If you're into 15 dribble stepbacks, not the series for you. If you're into ball movement and straight line drives and good shots, great passing, good defense, good coaching, that's the series for you. And it's a little boring, you know, if you're not into that. But I, I thought it was thought it was a great played series, and and it was entertaining, definitely in my eyes. So I thought it was really good. But the, I thought the better team won. I thought that Miami did everything they could, but they couldn't withstand it. If you watched. A lot of the series, like things like if you watch early in the '80s, you watch. I mean, late '80s, you watch like the Detroit Pistons against the Lakers when Kareem and those guys were going out. You know, like Detroit just was too much. And then when Detroit was too old and they couldn't really sustain, you know, in their finals, you know, later, you know, later in in their sort of title, you know, dynasty deal, like you just know when the other team is just too good. And you could put up all the defense you want. You can make shots. You could look good out of the gate. But they'll always make that run and sustain, you know, getting punched in the face. I thought that's what Denver did. I thought it was a very, very good series. Yeah, and I, I had a note here. I, I think Miami flamed out as well. I think they 
they were running yeah. on momentum from from the plane and, and credit to them like they 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 overachieved this season um big yeah. time you know they had one of their worst regular seasons they've had in the last five or six years all their numbers were horrific all their per all their the offense per game defense per game they were all bottom of the league or bottom bottom five of the league to sustain that and be able to carry the momentum of winning a plane winning a first round series against one of the favorites then winning a second round series against New York, then winning a third round series against championship favorites. I mean, I think they just got to the finals and it was hard. That candle was, was not, wasn't burning as bright anymore. They, was, they were heavily fatigued. Um, not a lot of bodies to throw at Jokic neither. I, I, this is, you know, I, I wonder if teams, we, we spoke about it last week a little bit, but if teams start looking towards, you know, looking for a bigger body to have in these situations, especially if you're out West, right? Like you, you need, you might need, one or two big bodies on the bench. DeAndre Jordan. Zella plays hard, but it's, he's not no. that guy. He's, he's just not that physical. He's a good role player, but, you know, could could the Miami Heat have used a guy like DeAndre Jordan who was not really wanted and just ended up in Denver? Could they have used a Dwight Howard in this series? Would it have changed much? Probably not, but I think teams are going to start looking at now, you know, it's reactive. They won the championship with a, with a dominant big man. Shit, we need some big bodies, you know, and 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 – all of a sudden you put Dwight or DeAndre types on him. Maybe he's accustomed to going out on the perimeter a little bit more because he was he was a he was a beast on the post. And when, when they needed buckets, he's shooting those one foot runners and floaters and up and unders and putting a lot of pressure on Bam at that end. Um, you know, getting him in, getting him in foul trouble and whatnot didn't help the situation. But I just think Miami flamed out, not deep enough. Um, you know, the other thing is the Tyler Harrow injury went way longer than it was supposed to. I think he could have probably helped them a little bit. But I think both teams deserve all the credit. Denver, fantastic year. Um, Miami, fantastic year considering their regular season. And be interesting to see kind of where, where it all eventuates. Moving on from that, let's touch on Miami. Where to from here, Pro? What, what, what are your thoughts? What do you think? I mean, they're rumored, they were rumored in the Beal deal. They all, they made some offers. I thought they did, their offer was better. We'll get into that a bit later. Then, uh, then Washington's on paper at least, but they didn't get that done. The next one is Dame Lillard. We spoke about that months ago. It looks like it's, that, that's going to eventuate, but – if you look at their contract situation, um, they they are 13th today in the league in salary spend, and they're going to move up probably to the top top five or six next season in with 171 million on the books. Uh, Jimmy Butler's contracted to 25, 26, bam, the same. So you're not worried about them. Kyle Lowry looks like the odd man out. It looks like they're going to move him on. He's at 18 million next year. Duncan Robinson, I think, starting to play into his contract that he signed. I think he made some leaps this season and was much better, you know, moving off the ball and got his opportunity and took it. So maybe that contract's not as bad anymore. Oladipo heard again, he's on on the books for, I think, a player option uh, next season. Yeah, it is a player option. So he might he might opt into that. Caleb Martin, he's there till 24-25. Tyler Harrow's there for, you know, another five years or four years, uh, 33 million in his last year in 26-27. And the rest are kind of off the books. Jovic, small deal. Highsmith, small deal. No Gabe Vincent on the books next season. No Max Strauss. Uh, Donis Haslam, obviously. Kevin Love uh, are all off the books. But where do you where do you see them going from here, bro? It's an interesting question, Bogues. I, I, obviously, I think they're going to have to. You know, the way Riley thinks, he's always looking for you know looking years ahead. And I think that the deal that we'll talk about with Washington you were dealing with a team that just wanted to get a player off the books, you know, versus now it, since that deal didn't go the way they wanted to. And, and probably they're, they're being linked to Lillard, which I think obviously Portland's going to want a laundry list of things. 
I think that Tyler Hero is definitely on the chopping block. I think obviously they they're looking they're looking to dump Lowry at some point. You know, he he was rumored in, in the Beal deal just because he, you know he's got one more year left in his deal. I, I, and Duncan Robinson is a you know, shooter, reliable player, but a player that you can move for big salary because he's what about eighteen million dollars a year. I think Tyler Hero is going to be on the block. Um, if you're going to try to acquire Willard, I think that that he'll probably be the focal point of the deal, and then probably attached with Lowry, and then Lowry will probably be bought out. But I, I think that Hero and Lowry will probably be on the chopping block here, and you know, bring him back Willard. I think they they obviously want to try to get a blockbuster. Um, Kyrie Irving's all, you know he's been rumored there as well. I just don't think that. It really fits unless they're going to try to give up one of their guys like Caleb Martin, Gabe Vincent, or something like that. But I don't think Dallas would want to take back a player that could really help them. And I don't know if they're going to really give up on Hero to take to Kyrie. And you don't even know where you're going to go with Kyrie unless you just, you know, you're all in on Kyrie. The problem is now, you know, you're giving up assets for guys that you don't know about. So I think. I think if I was a betting man, they're probably going to go up Lillard hard, and they're going to probably put Hero, you know, Hero, Hero Lowry, Hero Robinson, and then go from there. But you just you just never know. But I think that that's where they're going to go with this, folks. I think obviously Caleb you know, Butler, Adebayo, Martin are there three guys going forward, and now you know I think Struess and Vincent obviously are good solid players. But they could move where they can get signed to deals. But I think Hero is going to be on the move. And I think that that's, you know, I think that's a move that they're probably going to strongly consider, depending on what Portland wants to do. Because Portland's been rumored to try to get Porzingis um, and, and pair him with Willard and go forward with that. In my opinion, before the draft, you're probably going to start, you know, a quick descending deal with Lillard saying, I want to go in the next couple of days, and they're probably going to try, in my opinion, they'll probably work a deal, and Miami's probably going to be the front runner for that. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. They've got, they've got a lot of decisions to make. Obviously, the Vincent thing, whether they bring him back, Max Strauss, uh, Struess, what what does he do? Kevin Love maybe as a vet man is, is fine to bring back, but um, and then the Tyler Hero thing, even, even without the Dame Lillard thing, do you look to move Tyler Hero and, and, and give it to – give his minutes to Vincent, who was very, very productive for him this season at, at a smaller number than what Hero's making and move Hero for maybe some picks and some other things. That could be w- what they're looking to as well. But uh, the core of Butler, Adebayo, I mean, Robinson, I think, will be there unless he gets thrown into a deal. Um, is, is decent, um, but they, they de- definitely need to add some pieces around it. Uh, Martin as well, sorry, is in that in that category as well, and Hero. So they've got a, they've got a solid core there, but I mean, most of these guys were playing through the regular season and they, they stunk during the regular season. So let's hope they can have a more consistent um, season and then and then maybe get some home court along the way, which wouldn't wouldn't have hurt them too much. Denver, um, not a lot that they can really do. Um, the, the the big one for them is Bruce Brown. Uh, he's the big one. He's he's got a player option for six point eight million. He's gonna he's almost certainly gonna opt out of that. Um, and they they would have they, they got his bird rise right, bro. Um. N- yeah, but he he just signed with them, so I think they'll do. Oh, probably it's not probably going to be early bird for him, if anything, and it's not bird for sure. Yeah, because 
look, you know, um, he was originally a second round pick. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he's played, look it up now, he's played one, two, three, four, fifth year. I don't think they have his bird rights, Bogues, if anything. And I don't think they got early bird on him either because he's five years in. So I think he'd be an unrestricted free agent. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be off that extension then. Yeah, and they want to bring him back. Malone's on record saying that, but that, that's one thing until someone pulls out $15, $20 million and then you got to really debate whether you want to bring him back. But Jokic contracted to 26-27, Jamal Murray 24-25, Porter Jr. till 26-27, Gordon 25-26. Technically, yeah. Malone was in between fireball shots when he said Brucey e. B is going to come back. So <laughs> I don't know if they could really you know put that on record. He enjoyed it, didn't he? He enjoyed he the did. parade. He had good fun he at the parade. He did do that. Took a shot at LeBron um, along the way and said that he's he's, he's thinking about retirement. I uh, saw that, which is good. Always good to have a bit of fun at the Lakers' expense or, or the ESPN Lakers' expense, uh, for that matter. But uh, in KCP, he's the fifth one in that wheel and their top five salaries. So they've basically got everyone on the books next season and to 24-25. Um, Murray, KCP come off the books 25-26. Um, and then... Yeah, basically that, that core, Christian Braun on a really friendly contract because he's a rookie and he's played into a role with his team. He's, he's you know, becoming kind of Austin Reevesy to an extent uh, for that team, energy, and maybe will one day fall into a starter spot. Who knows? But he's contracted till, um, what, what year is that? 25, 26 at minimum on his on his uh, rookie team options. And then, and then he's, you know, got that uh, decision to make on a long-term extension for... 26, 27 beyond. So their core is still very, very good. Um, and they've got a lot of room now to make some tweaks. Do they bring back Ishmael Smith? Do they bring back Jeff Green? Do Andre Jordan the same? Um, they've got a couple of younger guys as well and Peyton Watson, uh, Vlad, Vladko Kankar and Zeke Naji. Um, whether they play them a lot, bleed them a little bit into the summer league, maybe Thomas Bryant's off the books, Reggie Jackson's off the books. So... Um, Jack White does have a our Australian friend Jack White has a qualifying offer for 1.7 same, same number as uh, Colin Gillespie who I don't know too much about didn't play much this season more G League fodder there so I'm interested to see where they go from the Aussie brethren but they've got a little bit of a, a war chest for those mid-levels um, they'll probably look to bring in another veteran that can come and help off the bench probably a scoring type something like that um, which is what they probably look at but yeah you wouldn't, wouldn't really change too much on this roster pro Nah, Bogues, they're good. I mean, look, the championship team, they get, like you said, they got everybody sort of signed up who they really need to sign up. Bruce Brown, um, I'm not sure what they can do salary with him if they're restricted on some of the things that they can do. Um, I'm not a cap guy like that all the time on some of these little rules, but yeah, they're fine. I mean, they got everything going for them. They got a championship coach, they've got the MVP, they've got all their role, most of their role players intact. And then, you know, like I said, it's like rearranging the deck chairs of the Titanic. If you bring back DeAndre Jordan or you sign somebody else, that's your prerogative. If you, you know, if you stick with Jeff Green or not, or, you know, things like that. Um, the young players, they're not going to play because, you know, you just, their rotation's already set. And, you know, if you're, you know, maybe... Maybe they bring in a backup point guard instead of Reggie Jackson. Like I said, rearrange the check chairs of Titanic. Nobody, nobody cares. But everything else is is intact. They're healthy. They're young. Um, they they play a style which is tough to beat. They've got shooting. They've got you know basketball IQ on most of their positions, and they've got the best player in the league. So yeah, 
I, mean, I think they're in I think they're in good shape. Like you said, I think they they'll probably look to look to a couple of vets that might want to take a, a vet minimum to play with them. I don't think they're going to go nuts. And their owner, uh, you know, always rumored to be cheap. Uh, I always respected him because he's got an apartment on top of the arena that nobody really notices when they drive in. He's got a penthouse apartment on the arena that you could you could see when you drive in. I respect that. But he's won a championship, folks. How about this? Guys, guy doesn't spend. He's notoriously cheap. I think he's related to the uh, married into the Walmart uh, family, if I'm not mistaken. But he owns like the the Rams, I believe. Or he owns the Rams Stadium, that stadium they built in in L.A. But they got that. I think he's got ownership in like a hockey team that won a championship. He's got Denver won a championship. So yeah, I don't think they're. Uh, I don't think they're going poor anytime soon. I think they're going to be fine. Yeah, I agree. Nothing to worry about there. They'll. You got to run it back. Don't do the old Dallas Mavs. Um, where you don't you don't bring it back. You got to at least roll the dice and see how it goes and live with the consequences. All right, moving on to news. Um, I got a note last week from a good friend of mine in the NBA. He said, buckle up. This is going to be a crazy and very active uh, NBA offseason. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that anyway and just got confirmed from a friend thinking the same who's in, who's in the NBA circles. And that has started already. Phoenix have acquired Bradley Beal for CP3, for Chris Paul, uh, Landry Shamit, multiple second-round picks and some pick swaps. Uh, Miami were interested in that, in that deal as well. I think Kyle Lowry, Duncan Robinson, and some picks. Uh, that was knocked back. But we got to discuss the no-trade clause, Pro, because you look at this on paper, and if you're, a, if you're an NBA fan or a Wizards fan, you're like, what the hell did we get back for Beal? We, got, we didn't really get back much on paper. Um, Chris Paul, you know, neither here or there right now, phasing out, getting older. Landry Shamit, solid role player. Second round picks, yeah, okay, and some pick swaps might happen, might not. So you didn't really get a whole lot back, but we're going to talk about the leverage that a player has with the trade clause. Not many players have this. Pro and I were talking about this off air. You know, a main reason why many players don't have it, Pro, is because they don't stay with their team long enough. You have to stay with your team for roughly seven, eight years, two contracts to be able to negotiate a no trade clause. This was genius by Beal. He held all the leverage. Um, so for those not familiar, he has a no trade clause. Basically, if uh, Washington got a deal for, you know, from Golden State theoretically for Clay Thompson and Steph Curry, Beal could say, "I don't want to go there," even though that would be awesome for Washington. He's like, I don't, "I'm not going there. You can't trade me there. I've got a no trade clause." Um, theoretically, right? So genius move, and he dictates he dictates the market where he wants to go, and that is that has been Phoenix. Um, another another little kicker in this is his agent Mark Bartlestein is. The father of the CEO of the Suns, Josh. So a little bit of a connection there as well, which uh, can fuel a little bit of conspiracy theories. But the Phoenix Suns definitely did their work. They're rolling the dice, pro. They're going all in. Uh, KD, you know, getting older. Booker's kind of, you know, not there yet, but but wants to start winning now. Um, and then obviously you got Beal, who's a little bit older now too. So they're rolling the dice with this. Is it? Is it? Would you think this team right now on paper, pro, this Phoenix Suns team is better than the Brooklyn team on paper? The Brooklyn team with with Harden, Kyrie, and uh, KD. It's a good question, Bogues. I, I would say they are. Uh, See, I disagree yeah, with that because no. I think when you look at what, when players. you look at what Brooklyn had around yeah, had those more three role players in Brooklyn, they had Claxton, Patty Mills, Seth Curry, Joe Harris. All right, Ben Simmons was a better Ben Simmons at that point. Like he was still a decent role player, fourth guy around those other three. 
They, had a, they, well, had no, a they didn't have Seth Curry. There, they didn't have Seth Curry and those guys because remember, Seth Curry was in the Harden trade. So they they had Claxton. You're right. Mistake yeah, they there. had Claxton. Patty. Yeah. They had some guys around for sure. Claxton, Patty, mm-hmm. Joe Harris. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. Uh, Bruce Brown was there, Bruce actually. Bruce Brown was, was there, he? yes. So they did have more around him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, on paper, they – Brooklyn, I think, had a better team on paper, right? Um, depends what, you know, Phoenix still has some time to, to acquire some more talent to put around them. I think they've only got five players that are contracted right now and it's the big three plus another two, I think, Aiden. I was shocked they got to keep Aiden in that deal because that was what was rumored initially um, and that they need they need an Aiden type to, you know, get through the West and Jokic. But uh, th- we've seen this story before, Pro. I, I just, you know, that's why I love what Denver's done, what Miami's done. They haven't just gone out and got, you know a uh, a big three, um, but this could this could go really well. But it's a it's a high risk, high reward, right, bro? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the biggest thing with this trade on the Phoenix side is that look at how many games that Bradley Bale's played. You know, in the last few years, it it is a little troublesome. You know, he's had some issues. You know, staying healthy, and and that for me would be you know some of the bigger issues for for that. Like like this year played. You know, this year played 50 games. The year before played 40. Um, you know, 57, 19, 20, although that was, I think that was COVID. No, I don't think that was really COVID until the end. So, um, you know, he's missed a ton of games in the last few years. So that's a little bit troublesome. Um, just like anything else, you know, with Durant's injury issues and and what have you. So that is, but look, some teams could build organically, Bogues. You know, like the Denver Nuggets, they could, they you know, like Miami. You know, those guys could build organically. You know, before the LeBron and Bosch, of course, but like they built it organically. The Celtics built their stuff organically through the draft. But Phoenix decided, hey, look, this is what we're gonna do. And and if you don't have the time to build organically, you just sort of acquire all your assets and then you throw them in trades to acquire great players. And look, a couple of things in this whole uh, scenario with this trade. You know, besides Bartlestein to Bartlestein, which is pretty interesting. But, um, you know, like Washington's GM, uh, you know, is a descendant of Oklahoma City. Their GM, uh, he's their president. Their GM they hired, you know, is from Oklahoma City. So they're going to follow the Sam Presti sort of playbook of how he built Oklahoma City. You know, remember when, when Sam Presti took over in Seattle, they had Ray Allen, Richard Lewis. And what happened was... They traded Ray Allen and the Celtics. They got picks. They got him off the books, most importantly. And then they got uh, Rashard Lewis, which they were going to lose him in free agency. And uh, Orlando had cap room to, uh, to just absorb him. And what, you know, what they did that was really smart is they, instead of just absorbing him for like four years, then you know, Oklahoma City said, no, 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 don't, don't do that. Let's get him for another year under your, your belt. Let's sign and trade him so you can get the fifth year. So they ended up like getting like this big trade exception and then picks out of it where they're going to lose them for nothing anyway. So that's how Washington's going to build. They wanted Bill off the books. Now the problem with getting Bill just off the books for very little, like I think Shamit's got a couple years left in his deal for 10 million, 11 million, whatever, but you get them off the books, but you don't get any assets back. Like usually in a deal like this, look, you weren't going to get a ton for Bill. But you would have got, you wouldn't have got what you know. Probably you wouldn't have gotten what uh, what Utah got in the in the you know in the Rudy trade. You know, 
all these draft picks or the Durant trade, all the draft picks that went to Brooklyn. Um, but you were going to get something. And look, the, the no trade clause, which they weren't going to get a lot more from Miami. You were going to get a couple of first round picks out of it, Duncan Robinson and Lowry, but you didn't get anything. Like you didn't get anything that you could really use. You're going to cut, you're going to cut Chris Paul. He'll never play there. And then you're going to get Shamit, who's a nice little player. Don't get me wrong. He's a shooter. But then you get a couple of second round picks in the pick swaps, but you get him off the books. They're going to get Porzingis off the books. Probably going to deal him to Portland, um, probably for the number three pick if they're going to keep Lillard. You know, so they'll get him off the books and then get back, you know, something in return plus the third pick in the draft. And then, you know, Kuzma's probably going to walk or they're going to sign and trade him somewhere else. So they're going to look to just get draft picks, be bad, and then just sort of, you know, just sort of build from there. But for Phoenix, it's a huge gamble. But look, you need you need that firepower. You know, you need that firepower. And look, they they took a chance. Why not? They could afford it. And now they just have to be a little bit more sort of smart with how they acquire the rest of the players. You know, since they're in that second apron of that threshold for the the new CBA, it, it's really going to be hard for them to acquire players. You know, they could do veteran minimums. Um, it's going to be really hard to make trades. And they've got Jock Londale that they could sign uh, for early birds so they could pay him like – a little bit more than mid-level exception if they wanted to do that, which would be smart. So they don't really have a lot of, you know, the only wiggle room they have now is probably a DeAndre Ayton trade somewhere. So that would be interesting how that ends up. Yeah, but they need a big, I mean, Biombo's a great backup for them, but not the solution starting. So if they're moving, they need to get a big back. But um, the only thing I like about the Beal deal, I don't like the injuries. I think that's a valid point. He's, he's definitely a guy that hasn't played a lot of games over the past couple of years, but he plays two ways. And, and I think when you look at the Brooklyn roster compared to this, the one positive is you compare him to Harden's spot, for instance, he's an upgrade on the defensive end. And they probably don't need Beal's offensive output. Well, they definitely don't need his offensive output that he had in Washington on this squad, uh, which is good. Uh, but they did, they need his defensive output. They were pretty poor defensively last season with, with KD and Booker and Chris Paul. They, they weren't very good at all defensively um, and didn't have a lot of time to play together. But that that's going to be interesting to see the pieces around them. Obviously, Jock Landau's potentially due to, to sign a big contract there if he can, um, if they give it to him or otherwise he goes elsewhere. So it's going to be interesting to see if they open the checkbooks. But uh, Phoenix reacting to Denver Nuggets and, and Jokic and, and, you know, it's funny, a, a big fat Serbian's – Making making moves in the West for other teams, man. Um, it's quite funny when you when you think about it. I use that loosely, of course, but uh, you know these, there are teams in the West now panicking. I mean, you thought that KD and Booker would be enough, wouldn't you? And they don't, so a little bit of panic there. A few other notables: the Pelicans are considering possibility of trading Zion to Charlotte for the number two pick. That's been refuted by them, but who knows? It could be some smoke to that. You and I both think that it's time to move on from him. Whether they do it or not is going to be a big risk. The number two pick, which is probably going to be Scoot Henderson, right? Is that his name? Scoot Henderson? Uh, probably doesn't make sense considering they've got CJ McCollum. Um, but if, if I was the GM of the Pelicans, I would I would definitely look at this. I, I'd move, I'd just move off Zion and um the last couple of years and, and just start fresh around Ingram and some of that long athletic guys they have. Warriors are receiving calls on Jordan Poole, uh shocker, but uh Draymond Green is rumored to opt out of his player option and test free agency. The Warriors have said they want him back. 
this is going to be an interesting one to watch as well, Pro, because I think there is a disconnect between the young the young guys on that roster and the older guys. Um, you know, obviously when, when one of them punches the other one, that's pretty much confirmed. But then you got Kaminga as well, really looking towards what they do with Draymond. Um, and if they bring Draymond back, back does that then cause a reaction of we got to move Kaminga and uh, and Paul and get him somewhere else? Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to to seeing how that all eventuates and the pressure's on Mike Dunleavy Jr. Pro. He's now the GM. He's taken uh, taken over Bob Myers' role after Bob departed. Mike was in waiting as an assistant GM and has now taken over. But they're, they're kind of the rumors swirling right now, Pro. Any of those you like or don't like? Yeah, I think it'll be the dumbest fucking move in NBA history to trade for Zion, <laughs> trade the second pick for Zion Williamson. Like, why would you trade somebody who's you mean for charlotte yeah for charlotte it'll be the dumbest fucking thing that they ever really do. for charlotte most people would do that deal if they were uh folks the other team though, they've bro. made ridiculously bad moves in the last decade or so right um now you're gonna trade for a guy who can't stay in shape can't stay healthy put up numbers no question about it but now you're gonna inflate your cap instead of drafting a guy i don't know a lot about scoot henderson from what my NBA guys say, that he has a chance to be a multiple-time all-star, really good player. Not a generational player or any of that bullshit, but like a really, really high-level player. You're going to have him on your rookie scale for the next four years or so. Your team is going absolutely fucking nowhere right now. So you're going to bring in a guy who's got no self-control at all, can't stay healthy, all right? And you're going to bring him in and trade the number two pick for that instead of like you haven't made a really good draft pick since probably Ball was your good draft pick in the last decade or so, in my opinion. Maybe maybe I'm wrong on that. I got to go look it up. But now you could put Ball under his rookie deal. You got this guy in his rookie deal. You start, you know, you start just sort of dealing with some things and shuffling some pieces around. And, and, and then build it organically. And now you're on a good sort of path. But now you're going to put a guy who, who, like, you know, he's just fat is what he is. He's fat. And he can't stay healthy and he can't stay in shape. And you're going to give that guy – look, he'll put up numbers for you, no doubt about it. But, like, I just think it's a huge gamble. And if I'm New Orleans, I'm driving him to the airport. Right now, if that deal's on the table, like if you don't think about it, I mean, if you don't do it right off the bat, I, I don't know what you're doing as a GM of a team. If you're not, if they're going to offer you the second pick for Zion, and, and tr like your most of your success this year was done without Zion. So why would you, like, you're in good shape right now. You could take a lot of money off your cap, get this really good player who's an all you know, perennial all-star that you don't really need right now because all these other guys are doing well. But now you got this guy under his rookie deal that's going to play minutes that could be a really good player. I've heard great things about the kid as far as his work ethic and you know wanting to play and, and compete and all that. So you get this, for sure I would do that trade. Like, like I told you about the Red Auerbach deals that he would do in the 80s, getting off guys that had a lot of value in everybody else's mind, but you're with them every day and you're like, eh, yeah, I got to get off this guy. And you get off him and you can get the second pick in the draft from it. All bogs, yeah, I'm running. And if I'm Charlotte, I'm not doing it because now you could put 
Scoot Henderson and Ball together, you could grow that. You know, I'm not a huge ball guy, cheaply. but you could do it cheaply, and you don't have to really do anything mm. salary wise, probably for another three years. And you could build that. I just wouldn't yeah. do it, Bugs. I just don't trust them. I do not trust them to stay healthy. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't do it if I was yeah. Charlotte, but if I was New Orleans, oh, I would, like yeah. you said, I'd be I'd drive him. Yeah. <laughs> I'd give you the private jet too. I'd give you the private jet. I'd give him 20% stake in Krispy Kreme um, tomorrow to get out of here for sure. <laughs> Done. Speaking of uh, Scoot Henderson and you mentioning probably not a generational player, you know who said they are a generational player, Pro? I do you fucking see hate that generational player bullshit, but no. I. Carl Anthony Towns, Pro, has said, uh, quoted, I think the Patrick Beverly pot, I believe. He said, when my time is up, there's going to be people who are going to say that I changed the game. Mm-hmm. And I, I read, do you want to read that again? <laughs> I'm just like, I'm like, why? I mean, I, I don't understand. I don't understand. There's, there's a reason, like, generational means like, it's usually 40, 30, 40 years. <laughs> like, it's, <laughs> it's a generation of people. <laughs> Does he think that's five years or something? I don't know. But I saw that and I was like, yeah, you're, you're a fantastic player. Generational though? Like, not even scratching the surface, bro. Well, because he did change the game. He changed their game plan for thinking they could play him and Rudy together to not thinking that they could play Rudy <laughs> and him together by having him in the lineup. Folks, it, it, it's sort of like – now, look, he's actually he's actually made changes to his game that made him a little bit more relevant from what he did when he's in the league because he's like Al Jefferson on steroids. Back to the basket player, it's all he was. And and then he, he actually three yeah, ball. he actually added the three ball, which is good. Well he won the three point contest. So I assume I assume in his mind he thinks I won the three point contest and I'm a I'm a post up player, so I've I've changed the game. It's like like are you not did you not watch the NBA finals? Well <laughs> like, he, these guys no? are these guys are totally disconnected from reality in a lot of especially about the their own delusion game. versus confidence. Yeah, right? about their own game. And look like JJ Barea always told me, like you need confidence in this league. If you don't have it, you're nothing. And look, that's great. You want to say that? That's great. You you sound you don't sound very bright when you say it. You know, if anybody who knows the game, but it is what it is, folks. And now he's got to figure it out because look, they can't win with him in the lineup. They can't. You can't win with having a guy who dominates the ball like him, who can't really guard people who's just sort of trying to figure things out like that. You know, you don't post up like that anymore. You know, his three ball is good. I think he averaged like, I think he was, I think he averaged like 5.7 attempts. He shot like 36%, which is like right on the average line of three point shooters in the league. So like, yeah, he's good. Don't get me wrong. He could score, but he's one of those guys that you, he, you know, He's like a Randall in, in some instances where he could put up points, he could look good, but he doesn't really translate a lot of times into winning. And look, people just say outlandish stuff, and there's no there's no consequences to it anyway. No one's gonna call it on it except make some memes and stuff and move on. But yeah, it was it was one of the funniest things. It was literally like listening to Kendrick Perkins talk about basketball. You know, basically what he was saying. Talk about anything. Yeah, he was just saying anything. You know. <laughs> yeah. Just say anything. Yeah, I mean, and there's, there was rumors that, that New York was interested, there were teams interested. I, I honestly, you know, Towns hasn't had a great playoffs, that, albeit they haven't been in a lot of – they haven't gone deep in the playoffs, but it hasn't been great in the playoffs. I think their 
time, that that clock is counting down on how long till you wait till you just give this thing to Edwards. Edwards has some some prick to him, right? Like he's got some. He's a talented player, but you can see he kind of cares. Like he 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 wants to. You know, he might make mistakes, but he's going to try to fight you, like for for the win, right? I wonder how long till they just say, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna move off you, Kyle, um, even Gobert to an extent, and we're gonna get some pieces back and 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 just give the keys to Edwards. So that's a decision that Minnesota are gonna have in the future, and 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 it's, and it's coming to that point. It's it's probably a year away, in my opinion. And I think if 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 Towns is back for another season, doesn't have a great season, they don't go deep in the playoffs. I think he's gonna be one of the first they're looking at to move for some Both. value. 36, 50, 54, and fifty eight. That's his contract in the next four years. That's look, we talked about this a thousand times. Nobody's untradeable in this league, but that's a fucking tough contract to looking down, no pun intended, looking down a barrel of a gun at 36, 50, 54, and 58 million on a post player that, yeah, steps out and shoots a little bit, but really hasn't proven that he could win in the playoffs and you could build around him. Look, plenty of teams that can't acquire players that are any good because they don't want to go to their city might consider it, but his type of game doesn't translate into like this great you got to have type player. Maybe if I'm in a city like Indiana or whatever, like they wouldn't do it because again, it will bust your cap up, but like... If you're looking at it from that perspective, like, hey, guys, we can't really score in, tra- in free agency. My, you know, maybe we do it that way. But nobody's building like that anymore, Bogues. Everybody's building through young players, draft picks, and then just going forward with that. The only ones that are acquiring players like this, like with ballooned up contracts, are teams that are on the brink of a championship or a team that just is so bad they can't get anybody to come, so they just acquire him and just try to add him to talent. But I just don't see anybody that really wants him at that number. If you're at 25 to 30, maybe, but now you're looking at, I'm doing doing quick math, Bogues, you're looking at $200 million, with, especially with this new CBA. It's tough, man. It, it'll be, you'll, you'll be hard-pressed. Look, nobody, barely anyone wants Aiton. Who wants this? Who wants him? Mm. Like Aiton actually translates into an NBA player that could that, that that could probably make an impact on winning because he's not really a shot blocker, but he could, you know, he could protect the rim without shot blocking. Rebound, runs, yeah, this guy doesn't do that. Touch, this guy yeah. needs the ball. Towns needs the yeah. ball. Yeah, so interesting. Mm. Yeah, he's got some, and, and his assist numbers have gotten better over mm-hmm. his career, but still not where it needs to be for his usage. I mean, he averaged four point eight assists last season, which was a career high. I mean, he needs to be, you know, he's for, for his amount of usage and touches, he's got to be in the sevens or eights, in my opinion. Um, and that, like, to, to be today's model game, where where a lot of bigs are facilitators, whether you like it or not. So, um, we'll be interested to see where, where Minnesota go with all that, and they have got the elephant in the room with him and Rudy that just clearly doesn't work. So, uh, you know, I don't I don't know what they do with that. That's going to be hard to figure. John Morant, twenty five games pro. Uh, we spoke about this. Look, it seems. Seems light to some people. Uh, I I really think if they went hard for a season or gave him more than that, Jar could technically fight it, appeal it on the grounds of what law did I break, what state law did I break, what federal law did I break. If 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 he wanted to go that route, um, so I think this was probably a bit of a negotiation where they said, "Look, we're not going to hit you for the season, but we're going to make this a pretty severe punishment." and 
I think it's okay. I think, look, 25 games, it's, it's really going to hurt Memphis. Um, <laughs> they're going to, you know, they did play well with him last season, but they're going to lose Brooks now. They don't have Jar. They've lost a lot of toughness with those two guys. Um, I anticipate them getting off to a slow start, even if fully healthy. So that's going to be interesting to watch as well. But uh, what are your thoughts on the 25 games? Yeah, Bogues, look, I've talked about it a million times. Uh, I wouldn't parent my kids like this. You know, they do something like this that embarrasses the league and, and especially the way we look at guns in, in our country, especially what's been happening. Like, you know, and, and, and NBA's always taking strong stance when they're, you know, when they're talking about what, you know, what we should be doing in the country with guns and all that. And then you're going to be light on this. Look, it is what it is. Now they're, the way they say it, see it is, well, he can't now, he can't make all NBA and all these awards now this season because he's missing mm. those games. So that's, that, yeah, so that's yeah. how they could sleep well at night. You know, they could say, well, this is what we did. He can't do this. He can't do that. And that will trigger, you know, loss of money and all that stuff. And look, you could complain all you want. It is what it is. Look, in the end of the day, Silver's, you know, Adam Silver's going to do what he's going to do. And we could have an opinion on it. I think it's too light, but what are you going to do? He did something. It's 25 games. It is, it has some significance to it. it they're going to have a hard time winning, you know, for sure, especially in the West, it's going to be a little tougher without Morant. You know, I'm not sold they're going to get rid of Brooks either yet. You know, everybody wants to say that. Um, we'll see. Everybody everybody likes to talk big early. And then, you know, at the end, they have cold feet. And they're like, oh, let's run it back, all that. So you don't know. But I'll tell you what, without Morant in that lineup, although they've spent a lot of time without Morant in the lineup and they've done well. So, But as far as the, the punishment, look, they made a ruling. That's it, it is what it is. They did something. It's not exactly what I would think it, they should do with it, but you know what? I'm not the one in charge. It is what it is. They got 25. Um, they'll complain about it, of course. Morant, of course, came up with a great statement as he usually does. He's the king of statements. And um, we'll see. If I was a betting man in Vegas, I would say in the next 24 months or, or much sooner, there will be something else. You know, and it just is what it is. And it is the, the problem in our world today, especially in the NBA, we got a lot of lip service from players, from teams, from agents, from coaches, a lot of just empty statements. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then three months later, you revert back to who you really are. And all those statements you made, those ter teary-eyed statements that probably put onions on your eyes before you made those statements, like, you know, those things are just in the wind. So we'll see. I hope he's serious about it. Um, you know, his past will tell me that he's not. We'll see what happens. But they made a ruling. Let's go forward. Let's stop talking about it. Unfortunately, we won't. But yeah, 25 games. Well, hopefully we do. Hopefully this is it for him. Hopefully, you know, geez, we've said this the first time. Hopefully this is it for him. We can move on with it. Oh, I won't get too much into that because we've bought it to death over the last couple of weeks. Here's a did you know, pro. Did you know this? Um, there's a really interesting page on Instagram. It's His name's Frankie Hrelia, last name H-R-E-L-J-A. Um, he posts just stories about from back in the day, NBA-wise mainly. Did you know Hakeem and Shaq were meant to play one-on-one -on -one back in the day, pro? Yes, I did. Donald Trump was behind it, wasn't he? That's it. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I didn't even know this. Um, obviously, yeah. social media was around in the 90s, so we didn't get that news in Australia. But Donald Trump had a million dollars in 1995 um, after Hakeem, Hakeem's Houston Rockets had swept Shaquille O'Neal in the finals. 
Shaq was was pretty pissed off. Um, Shaq publicly called out Hakeem and challenged him to a one on one because he still claimed he was the big he was a better big man in the world at the time. They right. both had the same agent. They they both got a sponsorship. Uh, sorry, Taco Bell sponsored the event, who was a, a sponsor of both of theirs anyway. It was going to be at the Taj Mahal, Trump's hotel. Um, there was actually do you remember who the lightweights and the middleweights were? Oh man, I forgot. Yeah, they had some. They had a couple of pretty cool games that they were going to do. Pretty cool. So the lightweight, the lightweight bout was Nick Van Exel versus Kenny Anderson. Uh, the middleweights were Kevin Garnett versus Joe Smith, and then Shaq and Hakeem were meant to be the heavyweights. It was all agreed to. Hakeem agreed to it, no problem, and it didn't go ahead. Hakeem hurt his back in a basketball camp, I think, overseas a week before the event. They kept it quiet and they tried to get him right up until the night before the event. They canceled it because his back was so screwed up. Um, but that would have been really cool to see, man. I, I would have. I like these kind of things. Um, I think they should bring something we've spoken about. It's something similar to the All Star Game where you can see like two of the best go at it one on one. That would have been really cool to see. But you, you would have probably been a bit older than me in the, in the mid nineties and would have been kind of breaking news over there in the US, bro. They did. Now they did one with. Um, Kareem and Dr. J, where they played one on one, and they did this like in early '90s, late '80s, early '90s. And the problem is those guys were a little bit older, you know, like a little bit past it. But having two guys that were still playing in their primes go at it, you know, it, like it would have been like seeing. It wouldn't have been as good as Kobe versus MJ because of the age difference, but like seeing something like that, that to me, if you want a product that will sell in the NBA, take like the top, I don't know, 48 players and you have like a tournament or like a one-on-one tournament. Like that to me, you want to talk about something that will sell? Fuck that All-Star game. That will sell. Every network would do it. Now, yeah, you wouldn't do it during the season or whatever, but you do something like that in a tournament form, I'm telling you, you will but get- But why not in season? I mean, the All-Star game, they're still, all right, you're screwing around, but you can still tweak a muscle, get hurt. If you did a, a one-on-one game and you just did it in a way where it was yeah. short of burst, all right, first to, you know, first to 11, um, threes and twos, or, you know, first to 15, whatever it is, a game that only lasts, each one-on-one game, it lasts maybe five to 10 minutes. People would, people would love it, and I think- there's not that huge of a risk for injury. Don't forget, you don't have help side defenders coming to clothesline. You were hurt. You were slide under you for a charge. So I think your, your risk for injury would be much, much, much lesser. And it, you know, you you want to see it in season. You don't, pro, you know, you, yeah. you do it in off season. There's a chance that a couple of guys come back looking like Zion or a little overweight. Is it that good of a product? Then you do that mid season instead of the All Star game. I'm telling you, I would I would tune in to watch that shit. Here's what you do, folks. All right, just made it up. Five spots on the floor. Make it, take it, three points per spot. Three out of five spots, you win the game. And that's it. So What are the spots? So wing, wing, top, so, post, post? Um, wing, wing, wing. How about this? Wing, wing, top. Yeah, two posts. Yes, mm-hmm. five spots. Two points per spot. Um, not three points per spot. Make it, take it. Shot clock, maybe even eight seconds or 12 or like 10 seconds. Once you touch the ball, you get a 10-second shot clock. Call fouls. I don't know how you would deal with that. But you win three out of five spots, you win the game. That's it. That would be pretty cool and too it, if you had the post spots because then you could cross-match. You could have guards yes. versus bigs. Yeah. Makes yes. it fair. There you go, Bugs. When they steal our idea, 
we could say that we had it here first. That, I love that. This. I love that kind of stuff though. Like yes. that King versus Shaq thing would have been so good to watch. Like just yes. no help D, just like pure brute strength of Shaq versus the skill of Hakeem. That would have been awesome stuff to watch. No doubt about it. Kobe versus uh, LeBron. Yeah, like Kobe, LeBron, give me KD that. Kobe versus X, Steph versus Kyrie. Um, you know, this goes on. This goes on. It'd be it'd be awesome. Um, but yeah, give that give that page a follow, people. It's a, it's a good one. There's a bunch more. I, I saw he has a bunch of different videos talking about 80 Celtics and this and that. I gotta go through them one day when I have a spare moment. Is he the guy that like that the story's behind him and he's sort of yeah, like yeah. a conspiracy yep. theorist guy? He creeps me out uh, a little I don't bit. Know if I like that guy. I haven't looked. I can't tell you. I've, I haven't looked Not at any conspiracy. other videos besides this one. Yeah. Okay. But he, uh, he brings up some of the stuff, but yeah, he's got the video playing behind him of whoever he's yeah. talking about and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I'll, I'll dig in more. And knowing my luck, it's probably some conspiracy theorist, and I'll cop shit for it by next week once I realize. Like, do you no, know he's no, a flat no. earther? Yeah, <laughs> sports. Yeah, sports conspiracy stuff. Not like yeah, conspiracy. Yeah, yeah. But did you know? No, no, no I'm just joking. Yeah, I'm just joking. Yeah, yeah. But you know how it is these days. If you don't, if oh, you don't know someone's sure. complete history on everything they've said in their world in their in their life, and, and you support them, you get in trouble because oh, they said oh, yeah. this in 1935. Didn't you know that? Like, I wasn't alive. No but you're cool, man. All no right, doubt. moving on to the Australia Australia NBL. Not a lot of news. Uh, New Zealand Breakers. What the fuck are you doing? Jeez. Uh, so they they put out a quote. They signed a new player. Mm-hmm. Um, they haven't. I don't know if they've announced a name, but it doesn't doesn't matter for what I'm talking about. And, and it and it it slapped their former player in the face. Kind of. It was a backhanded kind of compliment to their current player. It said, "Defensive demon better than Derek Pardon confirmed for next season." <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> Yeah, man. So they put this out in a press release on their official channels and got absolutely obliterated. Like it got smashed. Um, and if there's a, people studying social media, if there's people that are doing PR and journalism degrees and that kind of stuff, this is a case of bad, bad, bad PR. Horrible. Like didn't shouldn't have got past the first whoever checks your shit should have read it and gone, no, we don't need to word it that way. <laughs> anyway yeah. – Players on that team from last season have come out and called, called it out. Uh, Barry Brown Jr., first and foremost, has said, what the hell are you doing? doesn't look good. Um, but they they since deleted the post, deleted the website entry. It's all all gone, but uh, the internet's forever pro. So just a, just a word of advice for the PR people out there. This was a, this was a bad balls up and you just don't want to – you don't want to do that. You don't want to slap previous players. Um, no matter – even if you think that's true – um, sell hype a different way. And that, that was an issue for Australian basketball maybe 10 years ago in the NBL, even the national team. They would um, always try to overhype things like this that actually slap someone back. Like they, So we played New Zealand in, I think it was, I can't remember what year it was. Uh, we played New Zealand in a three-game series in Australia. Um, and someone from Basketball Australia called my agent. My agent called me and they, they, they wanted me, they said, oh, can, can Andrew come out publicly and say something bad about New Zealand? I'm just oh, like, wow. what? Are you serious? Like, yeah, yeah, just say something because we're not selling tickets. We need to, we need to, I'm like, no, I've, I've, I've got NBA fans that live in New Zealand, like that, that are a fan of me, the NBA player. Like they wanted me yeah. to like go out the country, like say something kind of that would, would, would raise some, some media profile. And that's, that's what this smells like. It's like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna be clickbait out there. It's gonna be good for us, and didn't work out that way, pro. Bogues, it's you know, the tomfuckery of pro sports is is never ending. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty that's a pretty fucked up story to be honest with you. And they're aligned with Barstool, I think. They're aligned with Barstool Sports to an extent. So I'm not yeah. sure who does their socials, but I know early on, like their their socials were great because they were you know that. 
they use their club handle to like go at other teams and shit and make creative, funny memes. I like that kind of stuff. I think it's mm -hmm. cool. But this mm -hmm. was this was just yeah, not not good whatsoever. So they got some some fixing that they'll need to do there um, for the New Zealand Breakers. The uh, NBL preseason, which is called the Blitz, is coming in the next month or two. Still hasn't been announced. There's rumors that it might be on the Gold Coast. So keep your mail out for that. We're not 100% sure, but a few media people have uh, put that out there that it could potentially be on the Gold Coast. I think um, the way the NBL usually does it is they'll put it in a, the preseason tournament in a city that they're considering having an expansion team start. So Gold Coast is rumored to get an expansion team down the line. So I wonder if the preseason will be, as rumored, will be here. That'll be interesting. And just finally, Pro, I went to um, – so Sean Bruce, uh, who's on now um, on our Sydney Kings roster, um, and one of our one of our WNBL players that we just signed, Shanice Swain, is on the female uh, NBL one team for the Cairns Taipans. Sean Bruce is on the Logan Thunder. So Sean Bruce was playing at eight PM at Logan. So long story short, majority owners was in town, and he was. Um, his side business was was a big boxing fight that happened here in Australia yesterday, which I happened to go to, which was pretty cool. But anyway, mm -hmm. we went to support Sean Bruce and then found out that uh, a girl that we just signed for the Sydney Flames and Shanice, who just got drafted in WNBA, is playing before. So we went out there and and watched uh, their game in the minor league pro and just wanted to flag it. Why, why, why bother? But um, people might think, what, what are you talking about? It, it was just cool. To, it's cool to go to these grassroots games sometimes, pro. Like we. You know, we, we see pro games a lot where it's really mm -hmm. kind of manufactured. Stand here, security's here, you can't do this, you can't do mm -hmm. that, or, you know, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. Oh, okay, crowd now, please cheer, you know, because there's someone <laughs> yeah. telling you to cheer, all that. This was just kind of cool to go back to – I've been to a few of these NBL1 games. Um, your equivalent would be probably below the G League or like small-time college. And it's just mm -hmm. cool to go sometimes where it's it's just more about the game. It's not really about all the other shit. And it was cool to see, cool to go and support both of them. Um, Shanice's team got walloped uh, by Logan. The, the, the How old is she, team, And then I think she's a teenager. I think she's 19 years old. Okay, so this is like college. This ain't like elite high school or anything. This is like college sort of age kids mostly. Yeah, so NBL one is it's, it's our G League really. Like it's it's a it's mm -hmm. a it's a minor league that they'll like a lot of like Sean Bruce is a vital member of our Sydney Kings team comes off the bench, but he'll go play in the off season, and some guys will get anywhere between you know seven eight hundred to a couple of grand per game. Um, some weekends I'll play two or three games. So you, you get, you know, they only practice twice a week and then it's up to you to work on your own game. But mm -hmm. yeah, the NBL one has a lot of younger talent, has a lot of like older vets that are just playing casually a couple of times a week, um, has a few retired NBL players that go back and play there. So it's a cool little league and each state has its own league. So the states don't play against each other. So New South Wales, where Sydney is, will have its own league. Queensland have its own league. Victoria have its own league. And it's it's our minor league. But um for young young talent, it's really good because you can play in the off season. You know, we keep we keep a little eye on some of those games um, just to see who's mm -hmm. doing well, just in case we get, we have a roster spot available, um, kind of 11, 12 roster spot. But yeah, it was just cool to go, man. It was just cool to go and see. There was probably three, four hundred people there. Um, just grassroots basketball. Sometimes I think it's it's cool. I go to my kids. My kids play for a local soccer club, and and um, I've made a habit of taking them to the men's games sometimes just to see, like, hey, this is you know you're you're in the under. What are they in? under sixes and under fives? But this mm -hmm. is the men. This is the your pinnacle of your club. So we go and try to support it, and and it's sometimes cool just going to see that pro. It's just it's not as pretentious. It's just normal 
you know, kind of community sport, which is something I thought I would just say to the followers that I enjoyed. That's cool. No, you're right, Bogues. When, when you get to go to events that aren't like sensationalized and it's just sort of basketball and, you know, it, it's not big time stuff where, like you said, security and sit here, don't sit there, you know, and it's just sort of a manufactured deal. I, I do, I do really get it. I do enjoy it. I, I just watching regular basketball and that's, uh, yeah, you don't get a chance to do that as much as you want to, but when you do, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I do. I do enjoy that. Yeah, I do. I do. And if you got a local club around you, I you know urge people to go to these games because they're they're good fun sometimes. You know, a lot of music blaring, uh, which I'm getting old for. But other than that, <laughs> it was a good experience. All right, moving on. Dabble the social betting experience where you can jump into the banner channels, connect with the Dabble community, and ride a bet together. Follow copy bets. Jump into the banner channel. Have a little play with uh, some bets and download the app and have a dabble. Dabble socially. Remember, you must gamble responsibly. Moving on to some stats before we get into the Q&As and, and, and set off for the for the month pro. Um, Nikola Jokic, lowest drafted NBA Finals MVP ever pro. Useful or useless? It's pretty useful, man. 41st pick. That's crazy. Talk that Bell. is insane. 41st pick. Tim Conley, they, they, he should get A, a ring, and B, enshrined in every Hall of Fame in Denver for drafting that guy at 41. That's uh, it's pretty amazing stuff, man. That's, uh, yeah, I, I, that's I definitely useful. Useful. Yeah, uh, amazing. Um, with where he's grown as a player and continues to get better. So looking forward to see if they can repeat. Rookie leaders, this playoffs. Now, obviously, the players that have, have gone deeper have a – a better chance of having having numbers, but uh, in all the major categories, only two players from the whole NBA playoffs rookies led in categories. Pro, do you know who they were? So for points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, field goals made, three point three point makes, and free throws free throws made was all all one of two players for rookie in the playoffs. Um... Give me like thirty seconds. I'm not even. I, I'm not even looking at the sheet or anything. I just gotta. First of all, I gotta remember who the fuck was in the playoffs. Uh, second, I gotta see here. Rookie, 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 rookie. Bogues, I have no clue, brother. Give me, give me, <laughs> give, give, give me, give me some. Uh, well, for points, it was Keegan Murray, which is impressive because they bombed out. Oh, yeah, yeah, Keegan Murray. Yeah, but they bombed out early, so he didn't really go. It's not like they went deep into the playoffs, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, he was also the leader in rebounds. Uh, uh, rebounds, field goals made was Keegan Murray. Three-point three point makes Keegan Murray. All the other categories were a guy that was in the finals and it should be pretty easy now. Christian Braun, um, the leader in assists, steals, free throws made, blocks. So he, he obviously had an advantage because he played more games. But limited minute guy. But uh, pretty impressive for Keegan Murray though because he's um, – you know, they bombed out in the first round. They did go seven games, though, which did help. But uh, they were the rookie leaders this playoffs, pro. Useful, useless. Mm. I mean, pretty useful. Now, Bogues, again, because I'm not – I'm a fucking moron. Let's be honest. So just a rookie that led his team or just led rookies in scoring in the in the playoffs? Led, led the led, – they were the leaders in those categories for rookies in the playoffs. Oh. Um yeah, I guess it's useful. Like, you know, those guys are playing minutes in the playoffs as a rookie. That's pretty, you know, and put up some pretty decent points. You don't see a lot of rookies. Usually if rookie's going to play a lot of minutes and be, 
you know, and things like that. Yeah, you'll probably see him on bad teams and to do it in the playoffs and put up those numbers as a rookie. Pretty impressive. What do you think? Yeah, I think impressive, but small sample size. Not many, like yeah. you said, not many rookies. So I'm going to give the useless from that aspect mm-hmm. just because I think that there wasn't a whole lot of rookies playing. I can't remember any other rookies that played big minutes, really. And, and it's not like Christian Braun was playing big minutes. Murray played more minutes than him. But nonetheless, impressive. All right, last one. 40-point games since the 2015-16 season. Who has the most? Who do you think has the most forty-point games since the fifteen-sixteen season, bro? You have to guess off the top of your head. I mean, I know I'm going to be wrong, but I would say LeBron. But I'll probably be wrong. No, it's uh, so forty-point games since the 2015-16 season. I'm not sure who one is, but eighth most in the NBA was Bradley Beal with thirty, Devin Booker eleventh with twenty-five, and Kevin Durant. Tied 13th with 22. So they've got three guys on their roster that are 40-point buckets, bro. Useful, useless. Eh, useful. Why not? 40-point games. Why not? What do you think? Yeah, I think I think useful. I think the most – sorry, and just to close that off, the, the most – number one is James Harden. He had, he's had uh, 86 games with 40-plus since 15-16, which is just ridiculous when you say that out loud. Um, but, yeah, they've got three guys that are in the top – 13 with 40-point games over the last eight years. Very useful. Um, but where it could be useless is they need some more defense and role players around them. So watch that space. All right, moving on. Q&A. <clears throat> Twitter, Lucas Tolpot has given us this question. Given how pro player the league has become, missing games, being out of shape, poor behavior, do we see a time where the narrative flips back to a stern-type error with more accountability? Stars are now getting $50 million per year. Is it unreasonable to expect a higher pro standard, bro? I'll let you handle this one first. Folks, my opinion in a sports league with so much media and so many people trying to attack you on a daily basis, and it doesn't even matter what, right? Like what you do in the league, it could be something good, something bad, they're going to attack you. Like two seconds after the Denver Nuggets win a championship, everyone's killing Denver for – you know, for the seeds of the teams that they played. Um, like, so you're getting microscope on everything. Everybody's attacking everything. You know, no one's happy anymore. Everybody's a miserable prick. But when it comes to representing your league, I think there needs to be a high, high, high. Like, look, we're making this money. We're basically stealing it. You know, these TV contracts that continue to go up. And we're getting ridiculous money. We have to hold you to a higher standard than anyone else. You want to continue to make this money. Anything that you do that could be really negative to our league, DUI, beating a woman, uh, getting arrested, you know, what, carrying a gun, what have you. We have to have a higher standard. We are not making $150,000 a year. We are not a CEO of a company making $1.5 million a year. Our average salary is getting up to $11 million a year. Average salary. We have to have a higher, a higher threshold of what we expect from your, you know, from your, just the way you act and your character. So, yeah, I think there should be. The problem is, in like in today's society, everybody will threaten to sue you, cancel you, 
blah, blah, blah. And people just say, fuck, it ain't worth it. I'm not going through this shit. So that's why no one holds the line. Yes, I definitely believe that there should be higher standard than even what the rules are in society. That you just, look, we're not telling you how to live your life. You just can't do these things. Stay away from them. Or at some point, we're going to have to put you out. And when you're out, it's going to be hard to get back in. And you just, you got to carry yourself as a professional. You know, look, you don't even have to wear a suit anymore. You can literally dress like a homeless person on the bench and they don't give a fuck. Like, so like they give you everything, the best of everything. And they, there's basically no rules now, but there needs to be a conduct rule for sure. And, you know, I don't know what those things are exactly, but there needs to be, I, I think, a higher standard for professional athletes, especially in a, in a, in a given week. What do you think, Bogues? Yeah, I agree. I agree. With, with the amount of money being thrown around, I think there, there is some rightful frustration from fans like Lucas saying, you know, you get paid all this money. Um, you're bigger than ever, you're you're star on and off the court, marketing, blah, blah, blah. At least, you know, be professional off it at a minimum. Uh, be, in sh- be in shape, you know, be a good – try to be a, have good behavior, good, be a good teammate. Do we see a time where the narrative flips back to a stern era? Absolutely not. I don't think we go that. No. Uh, I'm a believer in the pendulum in general society, like the pendulum swinging with, with outrageous policies from government and identity politics and whatnot. I think – pendulums will swing and I don't think that I don't say that as it being a good thing but it's human nature we go from one extreme to the other I don't think we go back to the stern extreme because stern was tough iron fist is it needed sometimes I think it is but I, I don't think the players would allow it. the player association wouldn't allow it it's become much more of a progressive league and, and silver likes to really bow down to the players for the most part so I don't think that's going to happen I think a middle ground needs to be found though I think it, you're totally right I think it's I'm saying this I was saying this as a player I think I slowly started to see because I came into the league um in the David Stern era. And then I started to see the transition and seeing what guys started getting away with and all that. And I was like, this is not right neither. Like you, you, you got to have a balance. Like Stern was probably, you know, brought in the business dressed attire and that was really extreme because they were trying to find guys for like non-collared shirts coming off the bus at one point. That's how crazy it was. Um, whereas Silver's kind of wear whatever you want. So um, I think a middle ground definitely needs to be found. Will it be? I don't think so for a while. Um, mm. Until it starts reflecting on bums on seats and TV numbers and people tuning out, which happened during, you know, the bubble with all the – some say it was attributed to the identity politics and BLM and all that stuff. You know, everyone has a different argument on that, but noticeably the, the league completely turned its back on all that that following season because I think people were turning off. So if, if people start turning off because they're frustrated by it, uh, maybe it changes, but right now I wouldn't be too optimistic with that. Moving on, Facebook, Leon Michael, uh, why are the Cairns Taipans so stuck on the idea of community ownership? Are they unwilling to, or just unable to find a majority owner? I believe this is the sole reason they have been able to win a chip after years of finding so much talent, yet unable to hold on to it once they developed it. So pro, the Cairns Taipans are a community model. I'm, I'm not sure the exact breakdowns of how that works. I believe local, local council or county in your neck of the woods in the US pro um, with potentially some state government money f- help fund the team, which always has them towards the lower end of salary spends, but they do hit above the park. They recruit very well. They have a really good ear to imports. They've had some really good imports over the years. They they take risks on younger talent and develop it pretty well. And then 
the unfortunate reality is people do come in and take their players because they can't afford to keep them. Um, and I don't think that's so much as a fault of other teams. It's, uh, I think Leon Michael's question is right. Why can't they find a majority owner? Um, I'm not sure. Look, it's a smaller market. It's a smaller city. Far North Queensland, different place to live for some people. Um, maybe that's why, but it's tough. And look, I, I see the books and the numbers of, of team salary spends. Um, and they're not that far behind as you think. I'm looking obviously mention their numbers, but they're not, they're not that as it's not this other teams are spending double. The theory of people out there think that these, you know, Illawarra and uh and uh Kansas, you know, spending a million and everyone else is spending two or three. That's not the case. They're not that they're not that far off the pace, but they definitely are. They're never in the big spenders. Um, but they they they're not they're not that far behind. So what does that change in the future? I'd like to I'd like to see it. I think Cairns, I went there for game two of the finals, semifinals against Sydney. Fantastic fan base. Really enjoyed, you know, being there. And I think the community really gets behind their group, which is kind of part of the community ownership thing. I think the fans feel they own a part of it because their taxes are going towards it. So maybe does that change if it goes private? Who knows? Um, but I think something eventually long term, they gotta figure something out down the line. Do they? I'm not sure. That's that one. Uh, last one, Pro, Instagram. Uh, this comes from Chubbs for Life. Was that you, Pro? Is that your alias name on Instagram? Chubbs for Life? Uh, yeah, no, mine's Chubbs since birth, but it's close. <laughs> it's close. Anyway, his question was quite simple. Favorite basketball movies, Pro? So I'll go first because I might refresh you on a few. My top four, uh, He Got Game. No particular order. He Got Game, Blue Chips, White Men Can't Jump, and Rebound. Earl the, Earl the Goat Manigault movie about uh, mm. his journey from being an absolute superstar to falling into drugs and then finding his way out of it. They're kind of my top four, bro. What do you got? I've got one-on-one, Robbie Benson's story. That was done in the 70s, early 80s. One-on-one? I haven't seen that. Yeah, Robbie one-on-one. Benson. It's pretty good. It's um, Robbie Benson. Robbie like Benson? A chi- yeah, a child actor. Um, one of my first basketball movies I've ever seen. Big-time basketball recruit. He goes to a school that's supposed to be like UCLA, but it's really done at Colorado State. And he struggles early. The he got like a car and stuff. He's like a young, he's like a like all basketball kid. He's got no idea about anything else in life but basketball. And he starts struggling a little bit, and the coach tries to pull a scholarship. It's actually pretty cool. Um, there was a movie called Fast Break with Bernard King in it, one, one of my favorites. Uh, the fish that saved Pittsburgh, and I'll tell you another fourth one was Heaven is a Playground, and that was done in the '90s. Great story with that. So Heaven is a Playground is one of my first basketball books I ever read. It was about a New York. It was a great book. It was about this New York City playground, and this guy who used to take these kids out of the playground and get them scholarships and things. It was done in like the '70s. And he used to get, send them everywhere, all over the country. He used to be um, a ticket scalper, famous guy. And so he had this book. This guy from Sports Illustrated came. He liked, liked playing. He was a younger guy writing for Sports Illustrated. He played in these games and like got to know this guy and the story. This He was connected to one of the top players in the country um, that he sent to Austin P. Well, anyways, they made this story into a book, a book into a movie, and they supposedly supposed to get Michael Jordan to play the, the, the main character in this. And I guess like Michael sort of backed out of it or said they didn't have a contract. 
So he sent, uh, sent. They took Michael to court. They ended up getting this guy Bo Kimball to play the part. But um, pretty good movie. But the book was great. But the movie was really good. They actually took place in Chicago instead of New York in the movie. But those are my four. I, I like the the low key, like all those movies that you said, like Blue Chips and White Man Can't Jump and He Got Game and all those are great movies. But uh, the mainstream stuff. But I, I liked sort of the the, the low key basketball movies. Pistol Pete one wasn't bad neither as a young fella. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you remember that one. That one wasn't bad. But there's, a, there's a lot of good movies that you can go through. Some people say Love and Basketball or this or that, but those those four for me. Blue Chips was one I used to watch a lot. And just to- Above the Rim was good too. Above the Above Rim, the rim was, was good too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was a good, I had that on there, but I just went with four. That sure. was my four. But uh, And just breaking real quick, this just got broken not long ago, so I didn't have any NBL news. Jonah Bolden has signed with the Sydney Kings. Uh, we have just got that done. Um, he has been out of the game for three years, so a bit of a risk there for us. But we we, we like kind of his potential, his length, his size, his athleticism. Uh, he was in the NBA, of course, as a kind of a 10-day slash min guy in and out, trying to keep his foot in the league a number of years ago, played with the national team for a little bit, but uh, gave up basketball during COVID for a bit um, and now wants to rekindle that flame and we have, have got his services. So... Uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes for us this coming season, pro. So that's a good one for us. We'll see. Um, finally, what do you got for us in the uh, fact or fake news this week? Nah, no one cares about fact or fake news, but I will give you two things. A, Lou Williams. Actually, I've got one for you. i got Go one ahead. for you. You fact got it. Fact or fake news. Did did uh, did uh, the team I coach get a win last week? <laughs> My spy and mole it, it has gone underground. I, thought, I think you had him taken out. So he has not given me... Uh, this person has not given me the uh, – I went by his mailbox, and he didn't put an X next to the mailbox to, to say if you won or lost, so I have no idea. <laughs> we uh, did. We got our first win. Uh, congrats. I've only been coaching for a couple of months, but first win in two years, pro, in the local comp. Uh, so we play in a local comp that's obviously a decent competition to get ourselves ready for the school's tournament, so not a lot of wins Look. there. But uh, um, one bone to pick though with the, some local associations, pro that in Australia they decided not to, not to let kids play up age groups, which is just oh. absolute nonsense, absolute yes. nonsense. Yeah. So if you're under 16s, they won't let you play under 18s. Um, no, that's crazy. Which is just just ridiculous, and it's it's a hindrance to kids' development. So anyway, for this team that I coach, a lot of times we have sometimes we only have five players show up. We don't have a bench. Sometimes it's fringe four. We've played with four once before because you know some kid doesn't tell you, doesn't show up, or he's late or whatever. So we had one one of the kids said, "Look, I'm not coming," and then there was a kid that notoriously doesn't really come, and then there was another kid that was hurt. So I was like, "Okay, we need an extra player. They'll allow you to play up an age group if you're like short, just so the game doesn't mm -hmm. get cancelled." So I thought we we're going to be short, so I invited one of the one of the younger kids who's really good said, look, come play with us this week. I think we're short. Get to the game. Of course, the one kid that doesn't sh hardly shows up, shows up finally. <laughs> and then the kid that's Crazy. injured is no longer injured. So now we have we have seven with the young kid, right? Mm -hmm. So we go, start warming up. They check the score sheets. Ref comes up to me and says, um, you've got a kid on your team that's from a low age group. I said, yeah, okay. Yep, we do. He goes, "You can't if, if you play him, you forfeit the game. That's so stupid. And I was like, okay. So I was like, went and told the kid, I said, look, you might not be able to, I don't think you can play. They're saying we forfeit the game. Then I'll, I got a little brain brainwave and I'm like, hang on a second. Go back to the ref. I said, listen, um, 
So if we forfeit the game, does the game still go ahead? Like, do we still play the game in full? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The game still plays, but you don't get the result if you happen to win. Cool, we forfeit. You're playing. <laughs> Let the kid play. And we won. We actually won on the scoreboard, but, uh, you know, technically on their rankings doesn't count, which I, I, I'm not coaching for wins and losses at this period, Pro, I want to get the get the, the team better. And and that younger guys in our in our high school team that will be playing. So it ended up working out. But tell you tell your little your little friend there that we got our first win. <laughs> I will. If he if he if he ever, you know, if he ever rears his face again, I will definitely do that. Mm. Two things though, folks. Uh Lou Williams re- retired today, officially. And second thing is I got this as sort of a um useful, useless. The the Dallas Mavericks once had on their roster three point guards that were all born on the same day. Ray Felton, J.J. Barea, and Darren Williams. June 26, 1984. I thought that was pretty, pretty interesting. It's a busy day for the rookies. Yeah. Busy day for the rookies. Busy you day have for to the sing rookies. happy birthday. That's three sets of happy birthdays. Without question. On the same day. Not the same birthday, like just, hey, June 26th yeah, in different yeah. years. Same, same year. Same day. Yeah, I just saw that. I think I saw that maybe, you know, I saw that on one of those uh, Instagram accounts today. So, eh. Interesting. Yeah. But that's what you got? Yeah, folks, I don't have any fact or fake news today. I'm going I'm to take everybody, <laughs> right. take, let everybody go home early tonight. Yeah. All right. We're going to be off for probably a month or so. Um, if there's some breaking news or something, we have to do an emergency pod, we'll do it. But we'll probably only do... Uh, one or two pods, uh, maybe three up until, you know, the season starting again. Give Pro some rest. Let me spend some quality yeah, time with go. his wife put it on and snuggle me. up yeah, romantically. Put, put it on um, me. That, that, that's great. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then by then, Pro will have his makeover. He'll have some new hair. I'll mm-hmm. shave my beard and hopefully we'll be on video from then on, Pro. So we'll see how that goes. But thanks, everyone, for supporting. We really appreciate all the support, all the feedback on social. It's always good to get questions from all the listeners. Share with friends and family is always good, and we hope we continue to be the number one Australian-based podcast in the game. And we'll see you next time we're around, Pro. Enjoy your break, Pro. Don't, don't uh, spend all that all that money I've been paying you at once. Yeah, I appreciate that. I think you paid me a Bitcoin anyway, so I think we're good. I still it's still all right. Twenty six k for a Bitcoin, so I'm, you're doing all right. Not bad. Yeah, yeah, but you gave me that ghetto that ghetto fucking crypto, like you know the the, the one with that, that. Yeah, all that <laughs> bullshit. Yeah. Like, you know, like DeMarcus Cousins coin or something you fucking tried to pay me in. <laughs> That's still good. You can get milk and bread. All right, bro. We'll see you next time. Later. Let's get rogue.